With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome back to Affected by Altitude. This is our fourth episode already. Can't believe the time has flown by that fast. I am here, Ben Kuchnikavich, with my co-host Sam Bradfield. How are you doing, Sam? I'm good, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, it's been a rough patch of Rockies baseball as of late, but let's focus on the minor leagues uh, because there's been some real bright spots down there. Uh, specifically talking about Riley Pint, who we haven't been able to say very good things about lately, but he's been much better after an incident that we were informed about. If you were able to catch Sam's uh, Pebble Report from a couple weeks ago, uh, commenter eccentric ATL fan from the Talking Chop SB Nation site, that's the affiliate of the Braves, uh, gave the story from one of their commenters who went to see the Asheville Tourist game against Hagerstown, which is the affiliate for the Braves back on May 2, and Riley Pint had an incident where he was not being able to locate anywhere in the zone. And after walking the first three guys, just started letting go 98, 99-mile-per-hour fastballs. And the quote here was that it fortunately didn't kill anybody. Um, and the pitching coach came out and really laid into Pint, it sounds like. Uh, but ever since then, Pint has been pitching very well. He hasn't walked better in a few starts now, for a few appearances, I should say. So what what are you seeing there, Sam? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Pint, as we know, struggled for much of the season. Uh, I mean, up until May 2nd, he had only pitched 4.2 innings, given up four hits, 12 runs, three hit batters, 19, bo- uh, 19 walks, seven strikeouts. Uh, of his 172 pitches, 58 were strikes. So that's like a 33.7% uh, strike strike percent. And ever since that day, his next his next appearance was um, a full inning. He did not get hit. He did not, you know, no runs crossed home. He walked two guys, and he also struck out uh, two batters. He threw 22 pitches for uh, nine for strikes. So that's considerably better than we had seen from him. It still wasn't great um, per se, but it was much, much better than walking four on the second and walking, of you know, six on April 13th, which seems to be a dubious day for a couple of prospects. We'll talk about that a little later, I think. Um, but yeah, on since May 5th, Riley Pint has fit, pitched five innings for two hits, no runs, only hit one batter and four strikeouts. He's thrown 48 pitches, 33 for strikes for 68.8%. Uh, strike ratio. So that's much, much, much better than what he had seen. So whatever whatever the pitching coach said to him obviously has gotten to him, and he seems to be kind of coming back to where he, we've hoped he would be. So so that's definitely more encouraging. Turning to a position player who is at a higher level in AAA, uh, Sam Hilliard has been a guy with a lot of tools who we've been uh, talking about for quite some time now. He's been towards the top of the top 10 of the, in the perps rankings for a while now. How is he doing at AAA this year? He's doing really, really well in AAA. Um, I watched him today. This is uh, Sunday. And he made some amazing 
just amazing plays. And the bottom of the eighth, he hit a clutch double that scored two batters and to put the isotopes within two. They were down four to one um, against the El Paso Chihuahuas of the San Diego Padres. And it looked a little like a foregone conclusion that they were going to lose this game until uh, Hilliard came up to the plate and the announcers were talking about how he had some clutch at bats recently and he's been really, you know, seeing the ball well and performing well. And then he stepped up to the plate and hit this two-run double and then was scored by Drew Weeks on his next at bat. Um, and they ended up winning the game 5-4 to four because he made this diving catch out in right field to, uh, to seal the game. And it was just, it was amazing. I think it's, you know, I, I tweeted out, I think it's about time for Sam Hilliard to be called clutch because he's just made some really great game, uh, really great, you know, plays and game, just game-saving moments. Um, yeah, my only concern with him is his, his strikeout ratio, though. He's He has 61 strikeouts in 43 games. So that's, you know, roughly-ish one-and-a-half strikeouts per game. Um, and he's only had eight games without a strikeout. Now, that's not to say that's a bad thing necessarily. I mean, we've seen, you know, Trevor Story who can hit, you know, hit, I don't know, 20 homers and 50 strikeouts or something. I don't know. Like, Story strikes out a lot, but he also hits a lot. So, and that's kind of how <clears throat> how Hilliard's been recently. He's got 12, uh, 24 extra base hits. 12 of those have been homers. And 11 doubles. He leads the team in homers. Um, by I think three or four at this point so that that's certainly encouraging he also has seven stolen bases so he's he's quick he's tall but he's quick Uh, moving over to Hartford now which is one of the probably the easiest place to pitch in the Rockies organization but not that doesn't take anything away from how Rico Garcia has pitched and uh, when I think about Rico Garcia, I think about how he likes a lot of Purple Rose tweets, and I think he's a pretty cool guy in that respect. But he's also putting up some pretty good numbers in Hartford. I, I also really like Rico Garcia. I kind of discovered him this year um, being in and around the clubhouse. You know, I, uh, Bud Black had made him do this project, if I remember correctly, of Hawaiian-born baseball players, and it was this thing, and they hung it up in the clubhouse, and it was really cute. Um, and so Rico has been pitching for the Argos this year and he's been striking out lots and lots and lots of people. I mean, the, the comment you mentioned earlier for the Riley Pint situation was actually in a Pebble report entitled Rico Garcia is striking out everybody. Um, he's only had less than six strikeouts once. And that was on April 13th. Um, and he's only been scored upon three or more times um or sorry yeah three or more times on april 13th and his last start on the 17th um other than that it's been a lot of zeros and a lot of ones for a 2.05 era and he's just been he's been dominant um so i wouldn't be surprised to see him get promoted soon i think he's just he's just killing it um if i can pull up his game logs here uh, strikeout rates, April 8th, 7. April 13th was 3. April 18th was 8. And then 6 on the 24th, 11 on the 30th. And and in that game, he, um, no, run, no runs crossed home. He was hit four times in six and two-thirds innings, but struck out 11 guys, no walks on 102 pitches. May 5th, he struck out 7, 8 on the 11th, 6 on the 17th. Like, he's just... Lots and lots and lots and lots of strikeouts, which is really good, 
and I think something that the Rockies need at the moment. So <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised to see him get promoted soon. I hope he does. And finally, <clears throat> uh, Ryan Rollison. So Sage Farron has been commenting, I've seen on, uh, I think the Rock Pile is saying that this community of Purple Row needs to stop underrating Ryan Rollison. So Sage, if you're listening, I think we're going to start to see some moving up on the perps lists uh, with the midseason rankings. I know Rollison is certainly going to be moving up mine uh, because as Rollison has been promoted, he has just continued to be lights out. Oh, certainly. I agree with you. I don't remember exactly where I had him on my perps list, but holy cow. Um, I mean, he's got a 1.2 ERA, and that's because he had an 0.61 in Asheville in like three starts and was quickly promoted. And even in Lancaster, he's got a 1.52 ERA right now. And Lancaster is notoriously um, a hitter-friendly park. And, yeah, in his five starts with Lancaster, he's struck out seven batters and then alternated between four and then eight and then four and then eight. And he's only given up two earned runs one time on April 28th. Other than that, it's just been one, one, and one. Um, hit around a little bit, but his last his last outing, he was he went six innings for three hits and one earned run, which was a homer. Um, he's given up three home runs in Lancaster, but like I said, Lancaster is kind of home run heaven, so it's not completely surprising. He doesn't walk a lot of guys, two batters, one batter here and there, but I mean, he's just he's pitching really, really, really well. And I wouldn't even be surprised to see him fast-tracked and maybe even in Hartford as, uh, as we enter the second half of the season. Um, so, yeah, we'll kind of see. But he's definitely someone someone to watch and someone to keep an eye on. All right. Well, there's a look at your minor leagues where there's been some good numbers posted. Now we'll look at some not-so-great numbers from the major leagues. Yep. Alrighty, and we are joined once again by Eric Garcia McKinley. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm great. How are you all doing? Doing pretty well, thanks. So Ben and I were talking a little bit earlier about some of the great numbers being put up in the minor leagues by some of the pitchers, you know, like Ryan Rollison and even Riley Pints had a good couple of days. Um, but then we were kind of thinking about talking about some of the, the major league pitchers, specifically Kyle Freeland, who's had a bit of a rough go. So what are your thoughts on Kyle Freeland? I mean, well, first of all, this is super disappointing to see Kyle Freeland uh, pitching so poorly. Uh, I mean, it's 10, 10 starts now through the season, and man, it's just, I, he, he was so, so, so good last year, the best pitch season in team history, and, you know, you, you expect, you don't expect that to be replicated, you know, it's the best for a reason, but, you know, at the same time, it's like, wow, this is like, really turned pretty pretty bad and so like what i was wondering and like i i'm gonna throw this back throw a question out to you to to you two is like what's <laughs> i mean what's what's different and i have like i have a lots of uh i have i have basically every uh every baseball data site open to just figure out like what's different what's different between this year and last year um but beyond that like process wise or just pitching like does he look different to you? Like I haven't like looked at a lot of like too much video. Does, is he is his delivery different? Do you do you see anything? Like I don't know. I don't really see anything. But that's not that's not you know my specialty by any means. Um, do you see anything different with him? 
I mean, the only thing I could really think of is he's he had that blister early on in the season, but he's been back and he's you know been had a rough go since he's been back. But I feel like if it was still bothering him, then the Rockies would do something about it. They wouldn't just say you know work through it, work it out. Yeah, I feel like there would be more more action taken if that was still the case. So that that's the only thing I can think of. Ben, what do you think? I guess when I when I look at what's happening, he's getting more swings and misses. But like that's supposed to be a good thing. But that's definitely not turned out that way. So I, I almost wonder, is he trying to get swings and misses too much? Because that was kind of a talking point nationally last year about him not getting enough. And he's doing that this year, but it's coming, of course, at the expense of walking more batters. So I almost wonder if he could be trying to be someone he's not. Well, if, what's what's the difference between swings and misses? Like, what's his? Do you have like uh, his uh, his uh, whiff whiff rate? Yeah, so swinging strikes, it's not up that much. It's just from twenty two point one percent to twenty three point one percent. The Ks per nine are up from seven point seven to seven point nine. So that's I mean it's nothing major. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, and that's good, but he's, he's not striking out more batters. He's actually striking out less batters. And so that was, like, that was one of the things I looked at. It's like, okay, what's, what's, what's the deal here? Striking out more or less. He's striking out, it's not that much less, it's one percentage point. Last year he struck out 20.5%. This year he's striking out 19.4%. Okay. But he's walking almost two percentage points more. So last year, 8.3%, this year, 10.1%. But, like, does that spell disaster? <laughs> I mean, I mean, th- these, are, these are differences, but, I mean, they almost feel like these are just normal fluctuations. So, like, for instance, in 2017, when he was just basically an okay pitcher, his walk uh, percentage was 9.2%. And then it went down just one percentage point. So that, I mean, that, that didn't make the difference. So, but at the same time, his his strikeout percentage went up from 15.6% to 20.5%. So, I don't know. His strikeouts were way better last year than in his rookie season, um, and they're about the same this year, so that doesn't really seem to be an answer to me. I noticed that batters are also swinging at a lot more pitches. It's gone from pretty much 44 to 45% the past years. Now it's up to 40, 48 to 49% this year. Yeah. Yeah, and so if I if I asked you, um, maybe maybe you know this. What 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 would you say about his velocity? Would you say it's like up? Would you say it's the same? Would you say it's down? Uh, I think we looked at it was just a little bit down, wasn't it? Yeah, but like yes, tiny bit. Like so if so if you look on if you look like the month to month velocity changes. So uh, let's see. So April this year his fastball velocity was uh, averaged 92.4. In April, 92.04. In May, 91.3. Uh, so down a little bit. But then if you look at that last year, it's not that different from some of his fluctuations last year. And what's really interesting, actually, is that um, last year he started, uh, in April of 2018, his uh, fastball velocity averaged 93 miles an hour. And in September, it also uh, averaged 93 miles an hour. But in the months in between, 92, 91, 91, 92. Okay, one of those 91s was pretty close to 92. But like he had this dip in the season where his like fastball velocity went down a little bit. But he was still great. 
so like I mean so I mean that's that's the thing is like he didn't have this like stretch of like poor starts last year they were all good um, so yeah I mean velocity does not seem to be a reason for this at all to me at least what else is there um, well, I have a, an article up here, Rocks Pile. Jake Shapiro wrote about this last week. It's called, Here's What's Wrong with Kyle Freeland. Um, and it, he was writing about, uh, I guess they talked to Bud last week, and it says, Buddy says, it's a little mechanical. I think there's a little component of Kyle trying to do too much. It's a combination of those two, plus I think his release point has led him to leave too many balls up in the strike zone. Yeah, you know, I looked at his release point, too, um, and, I, I mean, it does, <laughs> okay, so I, I looked at it on a chart, at least. It does not look markedly different. It looks a little bit different, um, but it doesn't seem like it's something that's within, like, uh, a standard um, deviation. Like, it's, it's not, like, it's not, it, it, it looks like normal, normal difference to me. It's like the, the, the dots on the chart are super close together. I mean, I, I'm like, I would definitely buy a mechanical difference or a mechanical uh, flaw that's leading him to pitch so poorly this season or at least to have like such bad results. But like, what is it though? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, like, what is that? What is that delivery thing that's like, I mean, of course, Bud's not going to, say that he's not gonna he's not gonna tell people what what it is but like if it's there then like what is it like I don't know and like to me it's like that's that's what I'm trying to figure out or that's that's what I'm curious about is like what exactly is the the thing that's that's leading him that's leading him awry and beyond the box score uh, talked about his slider a little bit earlier this month, and they they showed a heat. The heat map looks really different when it's slider because he used to be throwing mm. it arm side of the plate, and now he's throwing it glove side. So the heat map looks really different. But I don't know if it's. So what they said was Freeland, when hitters aren't waving through his slider, they're crushing it. So I don't mm. know if it's something to. Let me, let me let me let uh, me let's. See, so like I said, I had all I have all the sites up on all of my tabs. So let's see, slugging against, slugging against the slider this season. Batters are slugging six thirty six against the slider, and that's a that's a pretty high slugging percentage. Last year against the slider, they were slugging 366. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> that's have, like, that's I don't know if it's easy for you to look up, but like, have swings and misses gone down or stayed about the same on the slider? So whiff percentage for the slider, and see, this is the weird part. So um, the whiff percentage, and this is here, I'm getting this, this information here from brooksbaseball.net. Um, they're up. So whiff percentage this year on a slider is 18%. Last year it was 10%. So that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of weird. So let's see. But he's like, and here's the thing though. It's like it's only logging 55 sliders this season. 
So, so it's like, so this is like, this is, that's a super small sample there. So it's only logging 55 sliders. So that, that percentage fluctuation is, I don't know. So, okay, so, so, the, so the slider is getting hit, but like relative to his, all of his other pitches, he doesn't throw it as much. I mean, maybe, maybe that's, maybe, maybe he needs to be throwing it more or less. I don't know. Do you want him to hit it really hard or do you want him to miss? Because they're doing both of those things so far. I mean, that could be a scouting thing too. I mean, it's his, you know, third full season in the league. So some of it might just come down to there's more film on him. There's more scouting. There's more, you know, there's more for batters to reference when they go up to the plate. So that, I mean, that could be some of it too. I mean, even like you said, he's only thrown 55 sliders. So that might just be an adjustment of, you know, knowing who's at the plate and knowing what they know and trying to make adjustments. And they're just unfortunately not working at this point. Yeah. So like, so like, you know, the book, the book on Kyle. So like, what's, what's the book? <laughs> like, so like, if the you're, book of Kyle, <laughs> what is the, the book of Kyle, the book on Kyle? So like, I mean, if, if they figured something out for Kyle Freeland, what exactly have, what exactly has the league figured out? And I think, I think that probably, that has got to be a little element of it because I, I don't know. I mean, and here I'm just, so, so one of the things that was so different with him in 2018 that I, at least, you know, from my position from afar, not being a scout by any means, um, was his delivery. His so he 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 added that like sort of pause, you know, in his delivery. He because in 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 his rookie season it was a little more fluid, but he added that pause uh, mid delivery, um, and he's kept that and for I think for probably good reason because it. Is probably attributed to some of his success last year, but now has is something about that maybe has, is 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 it less deceptive than it was last year? Is his timing off with it? Maybe. I mean, I I feel like I feel like we're not going to find any of these answers here by looking at all this information because, like, I mean, we can only say so much about you know whiff rates and you know the, how much is sliders being hit and like you know if, great i mean i mean if if bud black has identified a delivery thing that's that's super but like i kind of want to know what that is so like what is it i mean i mean like here's the thing it's like i don't i don't know if we know but like dang this kind of sucks <laughs> like seeing kyle struggle so much well, and it could even be something completely unrelated, you know, some underlying health issue we don't know about, you know, and or some personal issue. I mean, it could not be anything related to baseball. I mean, I just remember, you know, back when, I don't know, even like Jay Cutler, like when he got diabetes and he had that, that season beforehand where, and even like here in Arizona, we had Patrick Peterson who has diabetes and they just had uh, those really awful seasons and then at the end of the year it came out that they were fighting this illness so not to say that kyle has diabetes or anything but there might be some completely unrelated baseball thing that's plaguing him right now whether it's some sort of plague or some other personal issue yeah yeah absolutely yeah i mean i think i think it absolutely could be something like that that's just sort of unseen and it's like yeah and it's like when when you bring up things like that you just like remember that these are you know, these guys are, you know, these they're guys people. Are, yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like, it's, it's amazing that like 
you know, with all that's like going on in Venezuela right now, that any that any Venezuelan pitcher can like focus on, <laughs> on or even Puerto on Rico. Their job. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. So so yeah, it it could be something like that, something that like nobody really just nobody knows about. Maybe it, it's certainly not something that's going to be found on Brooks Baseball, but. Yeah, you know, I like. I hope he gets it right soon. Like, one thing, one thing that I can take away from looking at all of these things, like, what is different between this year and last year, and it's like nothing seems to be, you know, nothing seems to be all that different except for the results. So. Well, and the fact that he's the ace this year. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. We won't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, I try to. I, I avoid. I avoid. Uh, I avoid that. Yeah, I avoid. <laughs> I avoid all ace debates at all costs. I will write my personal opinion on that later. <laughs> I wrote. I already wrote my poem about that. If you saw that in our post, yeah, last uh, late last month. Yeah. So, anything else you guys want to chime in about Kyle Freeland? I hope he gets it right soon. Yeah, definitely. He's a good guy. So I wish him nothing but the best and hope he figures it out. So, alrighty. Well, well, we'll switch here from pitching to position player battles and drama and whatever else is going on um, around the infield. So we'll bring on Adam Peterson, and we're going to talk about Ryan McMahon, Brendan Rogers, Daniel Murphy, and Mark Reynolds and what the future of the Rockies infield looks like. And we are back, joined now by one of our other editors at Purple Row, Adam Peterson. We're going to talk about some interesting uh, playing time crunches that have come to pass with Rockies top prospect Brendan Rodgers being called up over the weekend. Uh, this has resulted in a bit of a playing time crunch for Ryan McMahon, who had been the primary second baseman as the season began, and also Daniel Murphy and Mark Reynolds, who have been the primary first baseman. Reynolds and Murphy kind of platooning due to the injury to Murphy and also due to some uh, lack of performance for Murphy compared to what was being expected. So I guess we'll start with you, Adam. Uh, what are we What are we seeing uh, when we look at uh, the playing time and who deserves it more? See, it's funny because at this point I'm I'm tempted to say like nobody. <laughs> um, it's just between Reynolds and Murphy, it's just been not what we what we expected at all. I mean, granted, uh, Daniel Murphy was expected to be an everyday guy. He got hurt, and so that kind of threw things out of whack. Um, but despite being a lefty, he seemed like a guy who, you know, in his career could uh, could manage uh, not having to be platooned. But he's just he's not really hitting well against anybody <laughs> right now. Um and so it's, uh, yeah, it's it, it's just it's just kind of hard. Uh, so as far as that first baseman uh, platoon, like I would like it to just I'd like to just say, all right, uh, go ahead, Daniel, and let's uh, let's just wait for him to figure it out. Um, but that's mostly just because Mark isn't really pushing the envelope like at all uh, funny thing is that Daniel Murphy so far this year I mean he's got you know 50 at bats versus righties and 20 at bats versus lefties so we're in 
very much in the small sample size realm here, but he's actually hitting better against lefties than he is righties so far. Um, though both of his home runs have come against uh, against righties. So, so when, if we're just looking at the first base side, um, I I just wish Mark Reynolds uh, didn't have to be put in a position where he's you know more or less splitting playing time. He he just doesn't seem like he's uh, quite there right now, to be honest with you. But at the same time, Daniel Murphy, especially this past weekend, did not look very good at the plate. And I was listening to the Phillies radio broadcast, and apparently Daniel Murphy always hits the Phillies well, so they were quite surprised at uh, how the weekend series went. And they said there's just, there's no way with what they saw that Daniel Murphy was completely healthy. So I wonder if there's still something going on there. Yeah, and not that they they would know because, you know, he's spent, up until he went to the Cubs at the end of last year, he spent his entire career in the NL East. Um, so, you know, they've had to see him like 20 times a year, and whether he's with the Mets or with the Nats. And he, uh, yeah, it's just... I'm not as an astute enough observer to be able to say whether it's a health issue for Murphy or not, but I mean, I like I just want to be surprised. Well, and that's been a big conver- topic of conversation, kind of around. Uh, I know, like Thomas Harding had his um, beat reporters inbox thing today, and the very first question on this article is: Is Daniel Murphy actually healthy? Is his finger messing with his swing? If so, shouldn't he go on the IL? Um, so it's definitely on, on everybody's mind that there's something something going on. You know, at least with, like, Ian Desmond. I mean, Desmond was an all-star, but he wasn't necessarily the big power guy that everybody is expecting out of Murphy. Um, so I think the fact that Murphy's not hitting at all is a bigger outlier, if you will, than, than what Ian Desmond's been doing. Yeah, and I... I'm not so sure I was expecting a, bu- a ton of home runs out of uh, Daniel Murphy. Uh, you know, he's he's 34 years old. Like, you know, the power starts to go uh, as he goes along. And frankly, like he he had two 20 home run seasons for for the Nationals, but otherwise, like, uh, hasn't been a big home run hitter. But like, you know, he's been able to get that gap to gap power and. Uh, you know, he really, we really haven't seen that out of him at all uh, so far. Just any any kind of power, uh, and so that leads me to believe, like when when I see a guy who's kind of struggling to get get those power numbers where you expect or where you hope them to be, like yeah, like if if he can't hold the bat, like it, it's hard to get good swings on the bat on the ball, so. Right, and even in this article, I mean, he says Murphy and the doctors decided decided against surgery, which would have likely lengthened his absence. He's wearing a splint that keeps the finger in a certain position and tries to prevent other bumps to the bone. Uh, Murphy recently said, as long as I have my splint on, I'm continuing to heal while, while I'm playing. So I think that kind of shows that he's not completely there. He's getting there. But, I mean, even kind of like I talked about with, with Freeland earlier with his blister situation, it almost seems like they kind of rushed him back um 
and we're kind of hoping for the best. And in both cases, so far, it hasn't really. Which is funny out. because I feel like in the past mm. the Rockies have had this situation where they'd be like, "Oh, he'll be he'll be back in a couple of weeks," and then like, you know, a month and a half later, it's just like, "Oh yeah, we're we'll send him in a rehab and assignment in a couple of weeks," and then a month and a half later, it's like, "Oh, he's back." And no, I'm not just thinking of David Dahl. Right. That's how. <laughs> I was thinking Chad mm. Bettis. You know, last year. He had, a, he had a blister also on his pitching hand, and he was gone for – he was on the 10-day injured list for yeah. a month. Well, and um, let's acknowledge the obvious, though. Like, so. last, you know, 2018, Chad Bettis is not as – was not as integral to the success of the Rockies as 2019 Kyle Freeland. So there's some kind of incentive, mm-hmm. incentive to rush him back. True. And same with Daniel Murphy. Like, like we, we all remember how bad mm-hmm. those first two and a half, three weeks were. Like it was, it was gnarly, and that's because you know everyone was hurt, and the ones who weren't hurt were slumping, and so just getting guys back was seen as crucial to kind of getting the season back on track. Um, but it does make you wonder. It makes you wonder if, uh, if. Well, and it kind of goes back to even before that, when you know if Murphy's slumping, why not you know sit him for a couple of days or. I mean, he's been sad a couple of times, but, you know, sit him or put him back on the I.L. and put, you know, Reynolds there more permanently or put or slide McMahon over there. If you're going to call it Brendan Rodgers, then mm. why not slide over McMahon? Yeah. Yeah, so on that on that note, taking injury out of the equation for a second, um, looking at baseball prospectuses, DRC+, plus, deserved runs created+, plus, Mark Reynolds right now is at 87, Ryan McMahon is at 85, and Daniel Murphy's at 83. So those are all very similar when we talk about uh, who should get the most playing time. Now, when we look at the raw numbers, Ryan McMahon, certainly, when you look at his slash line, it seems like he's doing the best by far out of the three. So if I were the Rockies, I'd probably try Tuesday night playing Brendan Rodgers at second and Ryan McMahon at first uh, because Rodgers, you know, he's a top prospect. He definitely needs to play. And I think we should see what uh, McMahon has going for him because he seems to be getting on a bit yeah, of a I mean, here. Yeah, I mean, good enough time to segue over to McMahon, right? Because, you know, you call up your top prospect. Well, where are you going to play him? You're not going to move him out of uh, – you're not going to have him play third or short. Um, so it's like, okay, well, we're going to play him second. And so Ryan McMahon is the one is the primary loser in Brandon Rogers coming up. And so what does McMahon do? Well, he gets a pinch hit double on Saturday afternoon, and then he hits two home runs on Sunday. He's just like, you guys are not taking this job away from me if I have anything to say about it. So, which is, which is really exciting, really fun to see, like a guy um, really trying to fight and battle to to keep that spot and I, th- I think you're right ben I, I think it's worth trying uh if n- if for no other reason than to just kind of give daniel murphy a bit of a rest because again like you know mark reynolds isn't exactly forcing the situation but ryan mcmahon seems like he is Well, it was even funny with that double. As soon as he hit that double, I was like, oh, man, of course now they're going to put him on the bench and it's going to be his primary role because, hey, look, he can actually hit off the bench now. And I was like, oh, man, at the you know ripe old age of 24, McMahon has officially been – or 25, I think now – you know has officially been relegated to bench utility man. Um, but then he came out and hit those two, two homers on uh, Sunday. So – yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens with that. But I, yeah. 
And to start the year, I think we were kind of thinking it would be maybe a platoon of McMahon and Hampson at second base, mm-hmm. but McMahon can definitely hit lefties. He now, in his career, how many plate appearances does he have against lefties? He has 80 plate appearances against lefties. That's not a great sample. But he has hit three... One second, one second, one second. Three fourteen with a four hundred on base and a five twenty nine slugging. So his no at one thirty six weighted runs created plus. He can he can definitely hit lefties, and I think we've seen enough from mm-hmm. him to show that he doesn't need to be a platoon bat. Or even be a reverse platoon bat if that's it. Yeah, he, which would be strange. I, but I feel like this came up a bit last year too. Like we all just kind of looked around and was like, wait, like Ryan McMahon has reverse splits. Like, does Bud Black know this? Um, you know, and you talk to some people. Some people are of the opinion that reverse splits aren't exactly real. You know, whatever, that's fine. Um, but I think I think I think it's worth just if I was in the manager's chair, like, and I'm totally getting rid of all these other soft factors of like you know developing players and keep keeping the clubhouse sane and healthy and um upbeat Uh, like i think mcmahon deserves a shot like and and even against lefties because i mean he's here's the crazy thing like he's hitting lefties and murphy's hitting righties again in short samples uh small samples but like you know there's your platoon right there Well, and it just always seems like McMahon is on the short end of this. Like, for whatever reason, he's always caught up in the thick of some sort of competition, some sort of something or other, where, for whatever reason, it seems like if there's if there's a chance to, to knock him out, I'm not saying that, you know, this might just all be in my head, but it seems like every time there's a chance to kind of push him out, they seem to jump on the opportunity, and I don't know why that is. You know, last year with the, with the Desmond issue. issue, or with the the Desmond issue, uh, the De- you know with Ian Desmond being <laughs> with Ian Desmond being at first base, and even like this year, he came out in uh, in spring training and was like, "All right, this the second base job is mine. Like, I don't have, I'm not you know competing against DJ anymore. This this spot's mine. I'm competing against Hampson." And he came and he blew it out, and so he came into that, and then he's been doing okay, and now all of a sudden with Murphy back. So Murphy and Reynolds, he's out at first base. And now with Rogers up, he seems to be out of his, you know, position at second base that he won fair and square in spring training. It just seems like they always, there's always a way to get McMahon out of here. And I don't know why that is. It just seems like he's yeah, always on the short end of whatever stick he's given. Just kind of what the Rockies have been doing with their prospects, not named Nolan Arenado or Trevor Story. Uh, over the past, you know, half decade or so. Uh, I mean, l- case in point, like, look over into the outfield, and y- you've got Raymel Tapia, who has, I would say, has gotten an even rawer deal than McMahon has over the past few years. Um, and yet, what happens? Like, all of a sudden, Tapia starts hitting. And, uh, and he's, in fact there's been a couple different times this year where he's been given the start over David Dahl even when, you know, you got to choose one of those two guys to face a lefty uh, when you, because apparently we need to put Ian Desmond in the lineup at least sometimes. Uh, 
but when it's given the choice, it seems like Tapia is the uh, preferred choice all of a sudden. And so I, I feel like there might be some something to learn from that about Ryan McMahon and how Bud Black handles these top guys, these top prospects, and what, what that looks like. Um, and so, so who knows? Like maybe, maybe this is exactly the moment that's going to make Ryan McMahon be like, you know what? Screw this. Like I'm, I'm coming in here and I, I'm just, I'm going to start hitting. Like maybe this is him figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then it, then begs the question of if, Rodgers really performs well like we all expect him to, and Ryan McMahon keeps performing with this chip on his shoulder like he has been. Uh, what do you do with ben. both of them? <laughs> or one of them? Do you keep them bo- do you keep do you keep them both or do you, you know do you trade one of them or what do you do with them? Yeah, I'm not sure. I just when the thing I think that makes Rodgers different from some other prospects that have come up, not just that he's better, but also that he um, Bud Black over the off season. I remember watching him at MLB Network, and he was really high on Rodgers and his ability to hit. And I just, I've never seen Bud Black talk about a young uh, position player quite like he talked about Rodgers before. So I don't think we're really going to see that much of a problem with Rodgers getting uh, everyday yeah. playing time, I think, or at least getting the confidence. I think they kind of owe it day. to. Uh, Rogers, not that you know, baseball's a game where everything's earned, um, right? Like it's, you know, you don't need to do anyone any favors. But I mean, he they sent him down to AAA and to start the year, and it's just like, hey, kid, uh, start working on things. And all he did was post his highest walk rate uh, since uh, rookie ball, his lowest strikeout rate since high A. Um, his uh, best ISO of his career, isolated slugging. So, you know, how much power is he producing? Granted, that's been fueled by a really, really high BABIP. That's okay. Um, but all, all that's to say is just uh, Rogers has do, done everything that the Rockies have asked him to do. And, and now he, he, he did kind of beat down the door here. He's just like, uh, little bud, little bud, let me in. And so he's... I think you're right. I think I think the team likes him. I think uh, Bud Black likes him. I think he's in a position to, to keep that going. And as far as, like, what does this mean in the offseason or next year or whatever, I mean, this is why they signed Daniel Murphy to a two-year contract uh, because they're like, well, we have other guys who can come in here. Um, and we only need a placeholder for one, maybe two years. Uh, so... Maybe that means that Daniel Murphy takes the Mark Reynolds role next year. All that's to say, like, we don't need to worry necessarily about next year. Like, we need to worry about this year. And I think if the Rockies give Brendan Rodgers enough of a chance to kind of prove, yeah, I do, I can hit major league hitting. I mean, he looked he looked great in the field. I don't know how y'all felt about that, but I, I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, I thought he did pretty well. Um on uh on the weekend so uh yeah it's it's one of those problems that you want to have oh yeah yeah we didn't see we didn't see Mm -hmm. some great uh infield defense over the weekend but rogers was probably uh, one of the bright spots out of there 
True. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, with knocking down the door and everything, McMahon also did that. I mean, when he was called up to AAA, um, he he did everything he was supposed to. He tore apart AAA and then uh, got his call up toward the end of the very end of the 2017 season when he got that very small amount of playing time. But then the interesting thing with the first base uh, situation in 2018 and how uh, Pat Vileka kept getting the start over there, um, that was another another situation where I really. I, I actually felt uh, worse yeah, about I McMahon's mean, uh, lack of playing time look, Pat Vileka, last season than I did uh, this year. Exceeded everyone's expectations. Like he was middle tier on our purple real prospects list uh, when he got that call up to uh, to the show, and and I was really excited because you know I'd been following him from Hartford, and I was like, actually, this guy might be a good little utility infielder to have around. Um, and then he had that crazy run of pinch hitting. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, I guess that was 2017. And, you know, the rest of the team thought, oh, yeah, like, that might be a repeatable skill, which it's not. Uh, so so I, I agree. I, I think the whole Valleca situation makes it even more, com- like, made it even more complicated. I, like, I feel better about where McMahon is now. Uh there's still a ton of competition. There's still a ton of different areas where he's got to try and fight for that playing time and prove that he deserves it. But um, I think with older vets underperforming, um, one of which like we can probably chalk up to injury, uh, I, I think it's McMahon's opportunity. We'll see if he gets enough opportunity. Uh, and we'll see if he gets enough opportunity without taking away the same opportunity from Brendan Rodgers. It's really hard when you got uh, – Let's let's say three and a half guys for two spots in the lineup. Yeah, looking ahead for the Rockies, they have uh, they're pretty much up against teams off the East Coast for the next couple of weeks. Starting tomorrow on Tuesday, May twenty first, they welcome or they are in Pittsburgh. Sorry for three games. Um, however, they are not on TV on Thursday, May twenty third. Then they return home uh, against the Orioles. Then they welcome in the Diamondbacks and the Blue Jays um, for three games. Uh, to continue on, and that should take us up to our next release date, hopefully. So they are also not on TV on May 30th, or at least not on AT&T Sportsnet. Yeah, and May 28th, a Tuesday, is a peanut allergy-friendly game at Coors Field. Uh, so they're hearkening to uh, the yard goats. Well, that's good. I think that'll be that's a good thing to do. As much as I like peanuts, I know not everybody else does. <laughs> so, And some people obviously are allergic, so... Yeah, so well, thanks once again for joining us on Affected by Altitude. I'm Sam Bradfield. He's Ben Kuchnerkevich. And we can follow us on Twitter at Altitude Effect or at Purple Row. Uh, I'm Sammy B underscore 27. He's B Kuchnerkevich. And yeah, see you guys next time. <laughs>